1: Today is Sunday, August 11th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, back with you. Episode 327 featuring CLNS Celtics beat writer Scott Souza is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit of $55 or more. Well, it is mid-August, so until the Celtics, I guess, make a Kyrie Irving-level trade like they did about this time two summers ago, I think we can go back to calling this the dead spot in the NBA calendar. Welcome, everyone, into Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman here with you, and thanks to Evan Valenti for pinch-hitting for me last weekend. I was actually having surgery. I'd love to tell you it was something elective, like a nose job to make me prettier, but uh, I had to have my gallbladder out, which was about as painful as it was annoying. Nevertheless, I'm not going to bore you with those details. I'm back until the next time I'm on. so we've got a show and that's great i'm not alone i never am we bring in clns celtics beat guy scott souza who of course has been on this show before does an excellent job you read his work you should be at the clns page and seeing him all over doing video stuff as well and uh scott's good to i don't know maybe hopefully it's good for you to be able to talk a little celtics in the dead of summer yeah i'm
0: sure it's well I'm, i'm glad to be here with you i'm glad you recovered from your gallbladder surgery i thought the kyrie irving experience was tough last spring but uh Looks like you've had a little bit of a rougher run, so sorry about that.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I think actually watching Kyrie over the course of the last two years, not watching him, he's, he's elite to watch, but, but sifting through all that was the Kyrie Irving experience, I would. Uh, I'd take the gallbladder surgery.
0: It <laughs> was the gallbladder surgery of being a Boston Celtics fan. Yes, I'd, uh, that's a good way to sum up the Kyrie Irving experience. I don't know if that'll fit on the banner on the rafters that's supposed to have his number that will never be worn again. But uh, uh,
1: well, the, well, yeah. I mean, not by him, but Ennis Cantor. Maybe it'll be never after that. We could put it up for him. It seems to be what he wants. Uh, I don't anyway, know if that's going to happen. But sure. <laughs> hey, if, <laughs> if, if, makes,
0: for fun, makes for a good punchline.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and I appreciate him taking that little jab there as well during his introductory press conference but the uh, the biggest story in the NBA world right now and it's it's not a huge story but it is what is dominating the association is Team USA Camp more than a dozen Americans competing for 12 spots on the World Cup roster that'll battle in China starting September 1st. Obviously, everyone trying to make a a great impression in Las Vegas for next year's Olympic roster and on to Los Angeles, even though most of that group, by the way, is going to be comprised of uh, the team that is largely taking this summer off. So, I guess as the expression goes, more for us. And what I mean by that is Team USA, as Marcus Smart has said, is kind of like Team Shamrock in this moment. Four Celtics players competing for spots, Scott and including all-star Kemba Walker, future all-stars in my mind, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and the uh, heart star, Marcus Smart. As I said, they've all spoken at some point over the last week to NBC Sports Boston. They've got crews out there. Smart is currently sidelined indefinitely with calf tightness, if anybody missed that. Time will tell if that'll actually prevent him from making this team, but he has such a unique skill set. Bob Ryan was on this show a couple weeks back and raved about Smart, as he always does, and why he belongs on that team. I can't imagine Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr need to evaluate him in drills to decide whether to include him on that final roster. But what do you think for Smart in particular? How does this play out?
0: I mean, I think it's a nice it's a nice benefit for him. I mean, with so many people pulling out. You know, it's it's interesting to have the Team Shamrock thing, the, the USA Celtics. But you know, in the end, making this World Cup team is going to be kind of like being the valedictorian of summer school at, at some level, because <laughs> uh, you know a lot of the, the top guys aren't there, and a lot of these guys are not going to be under serious. Can, you know if when as Steph Curry's available and Kevin Durant's available and some of the other top players in the world are available, then, you know, you're probably not going to see a Jalen Brown or a Marcus Smart in serious contention for a spot in the Olympics next year. But it's a good experience for them. And one of the things that, you know, I thought when, when looking at it as a whole and, and you hold your breath a little bit when you have a, an injury like Marcus Smart's, and I guess, it's you know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. He's just going to miss a couple of weeks to rest it. But, you, you know, you wonder – how this plays out over the course of a season, because a lot of the guys who are pulling out aren't pulling out because they don't love their country or they don't want to compete. They're pulling out because they want to be ready for the NBA season. And Mm. the Celtics are putting in a lot of effort here in the middle of the summer when it's not benefiting the Celtics. It's going to be benefiting themselves and benefiting team USA, which of course is great. But one of the things I think you can take away from it a little bit is the benefits of having this team with Kemba Walker, and some of the younger guys and you know Gordon Hayward's not out there but a, a theoretically healthier Gordon Hayward and not having a guy like Kyrie Irving and not even having a guy like Al Horford who a lot of us were big fans of is you've kind of gotten beyond the you know the heavy load restriction era of the Celtics where you have mm-hmm. to worry about guys who are going to be constricted to 26 28 minutes a game guys who are going to be sitting on the second nights of back to backs you know, I have a feeling that Brad Stevens will want to tailback Kemba Walker a little bit as he moves you know, further on into his 30s in terms of being a guy who signed for four years and, and being a guy who's already played a lot of minutes in this league. But he's a guy who doesn't miss games, and obviously the younger guys want to play as much as they can. So I think that's one of the things that you take away from this, is that you're you're not looking at a team this year that you necessarily have to try to nurse them through eight months of the regular season in the hopes that they'll be ready for the playoffs. This is a team of, of mostly players, if not all players, who will be able
1: to go night in and night out. Brad Stevens talked about the fact that he's really excited these four guys are in camp together and have this opportunity, not only together, as you talked about, and kind of getting to know each other, and, and we'll build upon that, but the fact that they're able to learn from other players, great minds in the league. Like, of course, he singled out Greg Popovich, and and we know that he's something of a mentor to to Brad. But Coach K is there. Steve Kerr is there. Some other coaches are there. Jeff Van Gundy is there. There are a whole bunch of guys there that, that people can learn from. So Stevens, you know, unlike where Stevens said that, uh, or Danny Ainge both said that they didn't mind Kyrie Irving going to the All-Star game after missing games right before the that break, you know, that was kind of lip service and trying to keep Kyrie happy. I think Brad is is genuine in being happy that his guys are there, even, you know, with that potential injury risk on the line, and as we saw with Marcus, hopefully nothing serious but the fact that, that these guys are there. But if you're a Celtics fan, on the other side of that, do you want all these guys there? Which, which is better? Is it better to, to be there and, and build that chemistry, or are you just so fearful of, like what we saw a few years back with Paul George and, and suffering a, a serious injury in in one of these camps with team USA, and it cost him obviously, you know, an entire year and, and then some to be himself again.
0: I think what you might be most fearful of uh, based on Kyrie Irving's experience at the all-star game is uh, some hallway YouTube footage of Becky <laughs> Hammond with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown saying two max contracts. Right. That might be the, uh, as long as they're the, saying it to each the other, they really get to go. And, but uh, no, I mean, those are freak injuries and, in, and, in, you know, those things might happen. I mean, it's not like these guys aren't going to play basketball right in the off season. You have to play. You have to improve. Um, you know, an injury like Gordon Hayward, you're not going to say, well, he shouldn't have been playing in the open, he should, opener. He shouldn't <laughs> have gone up for a alley-oop. You know, you're not going to blame Kyrie Irving. You're not even going to blame Jay Crowder for that situation. It's just something that happened. It's something that happens to Paul George. It's something that could happen to them. Uh, it's something that could happen to Jason Tatum if he's out working with Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, maybe maybe taking a step-back mid-range jump shots, probably a little bit less taxing on your body if you take 100 of those a day that he's not supposed to take in a game than than driving to the basket and uh, and flushing them home. But if these are the types of things that you're going to want these guys to develop and do for you next season, then they're going to have to do them in the all-star. Uh, then they're going to have to do them in the off-season. And, uh, you know, at some point, there's a, a risk you take anytime you, you put on the sneakers. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. I think it's more... You know, if they were slightly older guys some wear and tear on their body, now if this is a, you know, something that Marcus Smart decides to try to play through because he wants to impress people in September and then it comes back and gets them in November, well, then you can start having some second guesses because, some, of the, again, some of the guys who have pulled out have, have pointed to kind of minor injuries or things that they want to get healed up at the beginning of training camp. If the Celtics are taking this so seriously that they're putting regular season games in doubt, you know, then maybe that's when you have to step in. But short of that, you know, I think it's an overall great experience, and it's... uh. It's, it's something to get people excited about uh, for this team.
1: Well, I'm going to give you, Scott, and our listeners as well a, a string of sound of these guys talking over the last few days because they have chatted a fair amount about this training camp, about Boston's future, each other, and, uh, uh, like I said, a lot. And smart, for one, big on the bonding amongst his, his teammates.
0: It
2: feels good, you know, just to build that commodity right now, early on in this, you know, before the season even starts. So when we do finally get on the court, when it's time to strap it on for the season, you know, we kind of already got a hint of what everybody wants to do in the field for everybody.
1: Smart also believes that all that bonding right now could actually help take Boston to a special place later on. Everybody know, you
0: know,
2: with championship teams and contenders are, are really great teams. You know, they, they have a special mm to them where you look and you like, them guys you know they've been together for a while or you know those guys really know how to play well with one another and that's all we're just trying to build.
1: As for Jalen Brown he's just happy to turn the page after last year's dysfunction.
2: I mean we, we can only be, with, be positive And you know, last year I can't see it being any worse than that so coming out and being positive is uh is everybody's mindset.
1: One more here. Brad Stevens actually said, you know, because this dysfunction, it's a popular topic right now because inevitably you put cameras, reporters in front of these guys, that's going to come up. What happened last year? Brad Stevens said that turning the page, that actually happened a long time ago.
2: It's funny because I think on the outside, because there's not much to talk about for two months in the summer, you know, that's kind of been a consistent story. and, And the inside, we moved on past it a long time ago. And so it's been a great vibe in our building. We have a great group of workers you know Jalen and Jason are here but they were in Boston last week working all the way up until this point obviously we've had a ton of our young guys through like we turned that page a long time ago you know that's what you should do after a season I mean I think whether you had success or it wasn't as good as you want you know you learn from it and you move on
1: so Scott, let's be positive, and and you know we've already chatted a little bit about how beneficial this training camp experience can be for these four men. How important is it though for for the positive vibes? You know, just to put everybody in the right mindset going into the new year.
0: It's kind of interesting because what I was hearing them talk about, uh, Brad Stevens talk about, uh, we turned the page a long time ago. According to Danny Ainge at the Kemba Walker press conference, it appeared he felt that Kyrie Irving turned the turned the turned the page, turned the corner back Mid-season. in March or April. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> But in terms of the guys, it's kind of interesting. I wrote, you know, the they lost game five against Milwaukee, and then uh, <clears throat> the listeners who don't know, the next day, you know, they fly back to Boston. They kind of have like an exit interview day, which is at the Auerbach Center. And the season's technically over for the players, so they don't have to talk. So some of them don't talk. A lot of the players who spoke the night before in Milwaukee didn't talk. So it's kind of an optional thing. Uh, but we all go down there and we see if we can get some, you know, parting thoughts going into the offseason. And, you uh, the thing that I wrote out of that that day was that, you know, if you really want to recapture the moral center of, the, of, of what you want with the Celtics, uh, the guys you look for, and this was before we knew about Kemba Walker, you know, the guys that you could put the team in the hands of would be Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown in terms of future leadership. Now, I'm a big Jalen Brown fan. I know there are people that are still a little divided on him in terms of what his feeling is. In terms he, he's a headstrong guy, it's not surprisingly that maybe over time he butted heads with Kyrie Irving. I think history proved Jalen Brown to be on the right side of that history a little bit more. If you could read through the lines a little bit, if you mm. could read through the lines, I think you look back and you, you would see the things that they kind of said throughout the year and you would say, you know, Jalen Brown probably had the clearest idea yet also handled his role on the team from an outside perspective or even from an inside the locker room perspective you know not being part of the team the best in terms of you know overcoming a hand injury and taking on a role that you probably didn't want to have as much but you know excelling in it by the end of the season being possibly their maybe their second best player over the second half of the season so you know I think those are two guys that you definitely build around I'd have Kemal Walker as a guy who has an exemplary reputation so now you have three guys in that situation I don't think that Gordon Hayward is necessarily that that leadership figure, he didn't show much of that last year. He's kind of a quiet guy who was off to the side. You know, A lot of times did not want to talk after he struggled in games, uh, kind of left quietly. So he's not a guy who necessarily wants to be at the forefront, especially if things aren't going really well. And Jason Tatum is, is, is not much of a talker that we all know. Anybody who's listened to, done an interview with Jason Tatum, or tried to, I know you've probably tried to sift through uh, two and a half minutes of Jason Tatum trying to find a soundbite to be able to play on the show, and you come up with maybe seven seconds worth of sound that might be sort of interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, You know, I think Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker really are those guys moving forward, both for this team and this franchise. And, uh, you know, that being together in the summer kind of shows that. But, uh, you know, that, it's interesting that that's played out that way and then you played that sound because the day after the season, I wrote that for CLMS in terms of, you know, if you if you want to get back, uh, what you thought your moral compass was, that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart would be the direction that uh, that I would have turned to, and apparently the Celtics feel the same way.
1: Those four guys, Scott, that are in that training camp for Team USA right now, if there's one Celts player this helps most, all this time together for the four of them, who do you think it is? Is it Kemba Walker, just to gain familiarity with the other three, or is it one of the others?
0: You know, I'm going to say that it's Jalen Brown just because, you know, Marcus Smart is going to be the type of player he is. Um, I, I don't think that... Anything that happens out there is necessarily going to open a window up to him, you know, becoming a a 20-point-a-game all-star. He's always going to be the type of player who he is. Kemba Walker is already the player that he is, um, and you you hope that he continues to be the player that he was last year for Charlotte with Boston this year. Uh, You know, I think it's basically Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum in terms of being guys who, you know, have that ceiling can still grow. Uh, can still see where their game can take them. Now, there's a perception out there, and a lot of people feel this, that Jason Tatum has that higher ceiling. Um, You know, this might be in the best situation for Jalen Brown to say, you know, he belongs in that category, not only of, you know, one of the, you know, Olympic hopefuls for the United States or one of the World Cup guys for the United States, but also a guy who, you know, does have that all-star, you know, is thought of as that potential future all-star. It may not help the Celtics in terms of uh, reaching a contract extension with him over the next year or so. Uh, but in terms of him seeing what his feeling is, then, then this may be a good tool for that.
1: Do you think all four of these guys will make the U.S. roster? Of course, I'm talking about the World Cup roster, not the Olympic one. Uh,
0: perhaps. I don't know. I haven't really, you know, number crunched it that much. I mean, obviously, Kemba Walker will be there. I, I have a feeling in the end Marcus Smart may not be there just because of, you know, if this injury lingers on or whatever then, you know, that might not be something he follows through. Again, I think the ones that will be most interesting to see uh, would be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown.
1: Let's talk some more about these guys. Smart has said a lot since the end of the year. He's he's done various interviews. I thought he was great when he was on the jump on ESPN a week or two back. And uh, just how things went wrong and how to turn the corner and all of that. I tweeted this a few days ago, and I've said this for a while, and I, I, I know that you're a big, smart guy as well. He's obviously the vocal and emotional leader for this team, other veterans. Al Horford used to talk about it all the time. Kyrie to an extent as well. He's a rising vet. You know, he's been around for a little while. He's the longest tenured Celtics player. He's under contract, you know, for a few more years. He's all NBA defender, consistently works his butt off. I'm just wondering, and I guess I feel like I know the answer, but I'll ask the question anyway. How long before Brad Stevens caves on this no captains policy and and gives Marcus the C? Because he is the de facto captain of this team.
0: Yeah, that one's an interesting one. I know it's been brought up a couple of times. I don't necessarily know that he needs to see. I think a lot of people, you know, look at him. Again, I going back to what we were just talking about, I think I, the way I phrased it in that article was, you know, Marcus Smart is the heart of the team, and, and, and Jalen Brown might be the, the head of the team in terms of mm-hmm. the brains of the team. Um, now, you're, you're not going to take Jalen Brown over Marcus in that situation because he's got a little more tenure, but uh, he certainly would be a worthy captain, but I, just, I can see Brad Stevens... Uh, looking back over the years and kind of have how the captain thing was kind of thrust upon him in terms of Rajon Rondo almost demanding to be named the captain and then acquiescing to that and, and how poorly that went to, you know, kind of maybe we're just not going to go there. We're, we're, we're trying to move on from the Rajan Rondos of the world. We're trying to move on from the Kyrie Irvings of the world. I'm sure there was a time that Isaiah Thomas wanted to be named the captain mm. um, on some level, whether he actually vocalized it or not. It's a, if we're going with this, collective idea maybe we do go with that a little bit more and uh a little bit longer anyways and kind of see how things play, uh, play out so I don't necessarily know that a, uh, a a ceremonial C does much for Marcus Smart I think it's more showing by example what he does on a day in and day out basis and and uh, you know Brad Stevens is always you know he talks about the winning plays thing all the time and Brad Stevens has these little phrases that he uses you know um constantly that you guys have, have heard the best version of myself and, and he makes winning plays and everything else but Marcus smarts really embraced that and uh i'm pretty sure that at the beginning of the film session when it when you show hustle plays and and putting your body on the line uh Marcus smart owns the the bulk of that video session and and that's as close to a, a c during the uh
1: during the team film work that you you probably need in general, do you think captains matter in basketball the way they do in in hockey or in uh, you know in football with obviously several captains, or do you think it's kind of more symbolic like those you know baseball teams that have them and it's just not that important?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really see how they matter. I mean, obviously they matter in hockey because they have a practical purpose, and in football you know to go out for the coin flip. Uh, but in basketball and baseball, I think uh, you know to tell you the truth, I couldn't tell you who the cap. I couldn't even tell you for most of the NBA teams whether they even have captains. As far as I know, the Red Sox last captain was Jason Varatek. I don't know. Likewise. They have fun since then. Um, So I don't, I, I don't think it's, it's that big of a deal. I think it's, it's been a big deal in Celtics history. And I think that's why it comes up a little bit more often because the Celtics, you know, they're always Larry Bird's team. And then they were, you know, Reggie Lewis had the C for a while. And then, You know, Paul Pierce obviously had it for a long time and and Rajon Rondo, again, basically demanded it, which isn't really the way you should be named captain, I don't think. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not like a high school girls soccer team where the players have a vote and then the the coaches are going to sit in a room and be like, well, do we we give them the real vote or do we give them the vote that we want to give them for next year? (laughs) And, and you you know, you have two high school juniors crying in the bathroom because they weren't named captain when they thought they were going to be named captain. Um, You know, it, it is largely symbolic. I think the players who command the room are the players who command the room and last year there clearly was not enough of that and you know and, and you know Marcus Smart was a Kyrie guy last year I don't think he, he butted heads uh, I don't think he necessarily bristled back at Kyrie that much not that you know maybe in his mind you wanted you wanted it all to work out and I think Marcus Smart's one of those guys who, who, who thought that eventually and he said this after the season you know thought that eventually it would come together at some point and the team would be able to make that run and you know Kyrie Irving would be happy in Boston at some on some level, but it didn't happen. So guys that you know were kind of hoping for that or, or misread that situation, you know, they kind of have to own that a little bit. Whether it's Marcus Smart or whether it was Al Horford not uh, doing a little bit more to be proactive in that, or even Brad Stevens as a coach not being able to solve that. Obviously, we know how Jalen Brown felt about it. We know how Terry Rozier felt about it. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things that just evolved. Being a being named a captain doesn't really. Uh, serve much purpose to me
1: this feels like sort of a stupid question to ask but i i will when the season rolls around how important is it to get off to a strong start and i don't mean that for the sake of the standings but for really putting last year's problems in the rearview mirror and and building some early confidence in the room with this group
0: um i think it's it's probably going to be i mean we don't know what the schedule looks like for all we uh, you know for all we know they could be playing 10 of their first 13 games on the road or any of that type of thing but um I think this year this team will get off to a better start just because they have, you know, they will have been playing all the way through. They're not going to take as Even though there's a lot of new, you know, this big new guy in Kemba Walker, I think it it will come together more quickly than it might for some of these other teams that are trying to, you know, incorporate newer guys. You know, Toronto is going to be trying to play without uh, Kawhi Leonard, even though he did fit for a of stretches last year, you know, that the Sixers are going to be trying to incorporate Al Horford in a situation where, you know, they were, you know, had Jimmy Butler doing a lot of things last year, and now they got to work out that. You still have Al Horford and Joel Embiid probably sitting out games at the beginning. You know, this season, this team should be able to hit the ground running a little bit faster than last year. You know, we've heard Danny speak over and over again and that Gordon Hayward, you know, was there right after the end of the season, you know, showing up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, did not go back to San Diego this summer, where his family, you know, had always kind of gone back for the summer. He decided to stay in Boston, at least for the first half of the summer. I, I think it's been – pretty much straight through, although I don't know for that for sure. So you've had guys together and you've obviously had guys in Vegas, so I think they probably will get off to a good start, whether in the end it, it's gonna matter in terms of whether they make the Eastern Conference finals or not, I don't know. But I think for perception's sake and for fan interest sake, you know, if they get off to a twelve and four start and they're sitting, you know, within a game of the top of the Eastern Conference, you know, people start to get a little bit more excited about the team rather than say, okay, well, Yeah, it's great that we have a likable team again, but they're 8-8, and and they're going to be fighting for the 6th
1: seed. One quick break to tell you that today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Now, basketball clearly in its dead zone, but doesn't mean you can't win money on the NBA or college hoops. Both seasons have title odds already. Clippers, Lakers, they lead the pack in the NBA, plus 350, plus 400 respectively. The Celtics are plus 1,600 to win a title. It's a little rough, but plus 300 to win the division, far more realistic. And while basketball season waits... Baseball season is in full swing and placing a wager on baseball. That's never been easier with all the best odds at betonline.ag this week. I'm watching Red Sox-Indians. They're trying to get better position for the AL wildcard. The season is not lost for the defending champs. I realize the division is out of the question. The East ain't happening. But the Wild Card, second wildcard spot in particular, that is still possible. Still have to worry about the Rays, the A's. They're right there in the hunt. The Indians, they're not going anywhere unless it's booting the Twins into a wildcard spot and taking over the division. It's an uphill battle for the sox I know, but it's not out of the question. So when it comes to betting, why wait? And can you believe the NFL preseason? That's underway. Patriots won their first game. They got another one coming up in about a week. To celebrate another season kickoff, BetOnline.ag and CLNS Media teaming up to give you 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Head over to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use promo code CLNS50 to... To receive your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this football season. Get into all the action with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Minimum $55 deposit is required. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions. So the upcoming season, as every year is, is... Important, obviously, but you can make the case it's maybe particularly important for a variety of guys. There's Kemba Walker trying to establish himself in Boston in year one. Jason Tatum, of course, looking to prove that year two was more of a fluke and that he is still building and can be that all-NBA guy so many of us believe he can. Jalen Brown is chasing maybe max money when he's a restricted free agent. That discussion has been out there a little bit. Gordon Hayward, of course, looking to show he's Utah Gordon again and, and fully recovered. The injury's totally behind him. You have Marcus Smart maybe wants to showcase his improving shot but even better you know take more steps off of where he was last year you could talk about Robert Williams wanting to show people that he's a legit starting NBA center and that he can be part of Boston's real future and not just kind of a you know a, another guy that they took a mid to late round flyer on the list goes on so for which player do you think is this year most significant if you had to pick one
0: can i pick a non player i'm going to say that uh the guy that i think we want to see a lot of coming out of the gates this season is Brad Stevens. Um, He he did not have a good year last year. And and you can say it was Kyrie's fault and that he was, he was given a, a poorly constructed team by Danny Ainge and he didn't do enough to fix that. But, you know, at the head of the list in terms of guys who, I mean, let's be honest, failed last year and Brad Stevens has acknowledged this was Brad Stevens in terms of having the most talented team that he's ever had at any level in basketball and dramatically underachieving again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not putting it all on him in terms of saying, you know, fault, but in terms of a guy who you would, if you graded out his season last year, you would have to give Brad Stevens a C minus maybe, or a D even, uh, in terms of what he was able to produce given the expectations. So, you know, he's a guy that now he has more of a Brad Stevens type team, right? He's got Kemble Walker, a guy who's a team first guy, a guy who's uh you know, not going to want to make it all about him. He, he's got young guys that he's uh, groomed over the last couple of years, that he's developed over the last couple of years himself. He has Marcus Smart, who was his, his first number one draft pick. Remember, he Brad Stevens was hired after the Kelly Olynyk mm-hmm. pick. You know, Marcus Smart was the first guy that he had a chance to pick. These are all his guys uh, with his personality. And, you know, you go back to a little bit of the, the butler, the little engine that could team. You go back a little bit to the, you know, Isaiah Thomas, team that you know made the eastern conference finals before isaiah's injury kind of overtook him you, you go back to the team that got to game seven without kyrie irving and gordon hayward I didn't even mentioned gordon hayward obviously that's it, the number one brad stevens product uh in the whole situation is gordon hayward so i think what brad stevens can do with his team back is, is going to be one of the more interesting things to start the season because we know the talent that kemba walker has we was third team all B- nba in, in charlotte so He's a 20-point a game guy. He's an all-star. You know, Jason Tatum should be uh, on the verge of being an all-star within the next couple of years. Jalen Brown has all-star potential. You know, Gordon Hayward, it's still going to be determined a little bit how he comes back from that injury and whether he is really ever the Team USA player that he was pre, you know, broken ankle, catastrophic injury. But how Brad Stevens is able to, you know, regain the locker room and, and and. you know, pull some of those switches um, or flip some of those switches uh, to make to turn this team, which is not the most talented team in the NBA, not the most talented team in the Eastern Conference, into an Eastern Conference contender, I think is one of the most fascinating uh, aspects of this upcoming
1: year. Well, and you're absolutely right. And I guess to that point, too, it's, you know, a lot of people, I don't think anyway, have really questioned Brad Stevens' ability to coach. One of the areas that He was really flawed, and the team was flawed last year, and and he hasn't had beyond last year and maybe the year before an opportunity to really prove this, and this is another situation where, where he can, is... One thing Doc Rivers was so good at and continues to be so good at, and we'll see what happens with the Clippers now that they've added a couple of superstars, is obviously the ability to manage egos and manage players off the floor. That's something that is not the checkmark in Brad's column just yet overall when, when he's got the the diva-type guys. You can go back to Rondo. That was another guy that, it, that he couldn't necessarily get fully on the same page with. So that in mind, I mean, with so many guys, much like last year, still looking to eat, still looking to prove something, whether that's financially or about their future or what have you could we see another situation like last year where even with less talent on this roster there isn't enough sacrifice enough buy-in from the group
0: yeah I think that's going to be you know that's that's up to the coach to set the tone I mean it it goes back to the players and and Kemba Walker can set that example probably better than Kyrie Irving you know Marcus Smart's always going to be that type of player you don't have Terry Rozier who is probably the most disgruntled guy last year anymore Uh, but you do have you know you get Brown and Tatum who are guys who you know, on some level Jalen Brown has he is being compared and he's always been compared to the guys around him in the top five and he's always said the right thing in terms of you know, I had the opportunity to come into a winning team. I had a the opportunity to come into a contending team. So I had the advantage that, you know, maybe a Jamal Murray, a guy that he's compared to a lot, who's now a you know, a guy who gets, you know, twenty million dollar more contract out there at um you know, a guy who's scoring 20 points a game, you know, he gets compared to those guys, but he's never had the opportunity to be that guy. If he thinks he, he has to be that guy this year and he's going out and taking 20 shots a game and he's not hitting them, you know, that's again, that's up to the coach to be able to, to develop his players. And this was always the strong suit of Brad Stevens before last year. He was able to take guys and accentuate their strengths and, may, and, and make their star brighter than maybe it otherwise would have been whether it be Isaiah Thomas or whether it be Evan Turner or whether it be Jay Crowder, Um, Avery Bradley had career years under uh, Brad Stevens. So I think it can be done. I think these guys can fulfill their potential and, and gain their, you know, increase their star power while also being part of that team structure, you know, but that's part of, of why you have what many consider to be one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, The guy who can do that under the right structure in the locker room, you know, keep that even keel, but also, you know, put players in the best position to succeed, uh, both team-wise and for themselves. and, And that's what Brad Stevens' charge is this year.
1: Hell, even Crawford got an Eastern Conference Player of the Week once, if uh, if I remember right, and he didn't even yeah, belong I mean, in the NBA. Say,
0: you know, Phil Pressy was in the league for yeah. four years because of Brad Stevens. That's True, you know, he's a five foot nine guy who shot thirty one percent from the floor, and Brad Stevens <laughs> had a winning record with him as his starting point guard.
1: So Kemba Walker, let's let's talk more about him, and let's hear from him also because he's choosing to look at last year's Celtics failures as maybe a, a good thing, or at least he's looking for the bright side.
2: Probably good for those guys to have, you know, that that down. You know, you, you can't always be in the high. So I think for them, last season and, you know, their struggles and things like that, I think that's motivation for them, you know, coming into this season. So um, I think they're ready. I think they're ready to, you know, work, which, they, which they've been doing, and, you know, just ready to take their games to a whole other level, especially because of last season. You know, that's, that's how it was for me.
1: How do you expect Kemba to handle the expectations of replacing Kyrie Irving, thriving in Boston's system as point guards have, like Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas did under Brad Stevens? And he talked about that as being one of the real draws to Boston, playing for Brad. And you know, unlike in Charlotte, obviously playing for a team where the playoffs aren't merely a goal, it's it's a baseline.
0: Yeah, I mean in Charlotte, if you made the playoffs with that team, then everybody thought you should be. You know, that's what you, you start getting chanted MVP. Yeah, at. build a statue down there for the <laughs> for the twelve thousand people that might actually be there, but. You know, this would be an interesting thing for, for Kemba Walker. You know, is he with this contract? Does he come in here and think? And from all indications, he is the ultimate team guy, and he is not necessarily a guy who who needs that glory, needs the ball in his hand at all times. He, You know, the the what we've heard from people who have known him for a long time that have covered him in Charlotte, national people, is that, you know, he took as many shots as he did last year because he had to take as many shots as he did last year because that was the only chance that Charlotte had to win. And we saw what it did against the Celtics. It did win uh, against the Celtics. And, uh, you know, maybe if Brad Stevens had double teamed them like everybody else in the NBA did, then uh, then maybe the Celtics would have held on in a couple of those games. But um, whether he's serious about coming in here and incorporating everybody else, you know, Kyrie Irving talked a good game about yep. doing that. And then when it came time to do it, he didn't actually do it. Most people believe that Kemba Walker will do it. I think one of the things that will be interesting with him is, you know, what type of a facilitator he will really be. He's kind of, because he's been such a volume shooter, he's kind of been more of a five, six assist guy. You know, will he be able to set up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? And to some extent, you know, even Enos Cantor, you know, working in the the two-man game there that you saw with Kyrie and Al Horford in the past, I think they have high expectations for that. You know we know that he can get his shots. Will he be able to to set other people up for shots? Now, one thing that I think you may see a little bit more of this year is Marcus Smart as a point guard. I thought he was a very effective point guard last year in terms of. I always thought he's had one of the most underrated things about Marcus Smart's game is his court vision. Uh, he has a strong handle, um, but he has excellent court vision for a point guard, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, whether he's a starter or coming off the bench, maybe playing that one a little bit more and, and playing Kemba off the ball a little bit more. And, you know, maybe even to a certain extent as a backup to that situation, Carson Edwards behind Kemba um, to try to get them, you know, open to be able to score, but also, uh, you know, maybe put the onus on Marcus Smart from time to time to say, okay, you know, you have to be able to set up Jalen and Jason and, and not put all of that on Kemba Walker. But, you know, just to go back to his fit in Boston, I mean, everybody, Everybody you talk to, you know, thinks this guy's a great character guy, the ultimate character guy. Now, now, will the, the greater spotlight kind of show a few warts that maybe you didn't see down in Charlotte? You know, that's always a possibility. Um, we haven't really seen here, because of the injury, whether that was the case with Gordon Hayward. We don't know whether, uh, if Gordon Hayward had been healthy that whole season, whether we would have seen aspects of Gordon Hayward's game that maybe we didn't realize when he was out in Utah. a lot of – there were – People out in Utah that say, you know, he, he's not quite as good as you guys think he is from afar, <laughs> um, you know, that he chucks up a lot of ill-advised shots that he misses a lot and, and things of that nature. Will we start to see that, you know, will we see the Kemba Walker 43% shooting percentage um, a little bit more glaringly when we watch it every night than when we, you know, when we see him play in Charlotte and he puts up 45 points against the Celtics and they come back from down 20 in the fourth quarter because the
1: Celtics team can't get along. Well, getting back to Tate, and we were joking about the fact that it's hard to find a soundbite from him. I, I managed to find one Scott. He chatted with NBC Sports Boston, said he's kind of tired of talking about last year, both about himself and the team. All my stats were better. I, I, I did
2: better, just not the, the jump that I expected or the rest of the world expected, which I, I should have known, you know, the, the, the team, the dynamic that we had, everybody with there's so many guys, so many talented people, you know, trying to win a championship. Everybody had to sacrifice and step back a little bit, but it didn't work. Uh, last year is behind us. You know, everybody kind of tired of talking about last season. We got a new team, new guys. So we're just trying to move on and get ready for next season.
1: So his stats didn't actually get better. I mean, some of the volume numbers did marginally, but his shooting splits, overall efficiency, those got worse. So it's. I think he's a little misguided with with the way he's talking about that. I think he and so many players around the league are a little too obsessed with with their NBA 2K ratings and all of that. But clearly, and this is good, he has high expectations for himself, Scott. So how much pressure do you think he's putting on himself in year three?
0: I think it would be good if he did put some pressure on himself. I don't know that he necessarily put enough pressure on himself last year. I think he he thought maybe... You know, so much was made of the dunk on LeBron James and his working with Kobe Bryant. And and you probably had, you know, Kyrie Irving. He and Kyrie Irving were close. I mean, they were the Duke guys. They worked together a lot. Um, you they know, Probably the closest together. person yeah. Kyrie had on the team, I would imagine. Uh, you know, he got along with Marcus Smart pretty well, too. But um, so in that way, I think he thought maybe last year that he arrived. It would be good to see if he does put a little pressure on himself to do the things that, to improve upon the games where he can still improve upon. I mean, he's, he's already – I believe he is already an, an elite scorer in the NBA. I'll even say that. He can he can score the basketball with just about anybody, but he has got to be able to do it in the right situation. He's got to be able to know, you know, when to shoot the outside shot, when to drive the basket. And when he drives the basket, he can't lose the handle out of uh, – can't lose his hand a lot of bounds all the time like he did last year. He can't complain for fouls like he did all last year. He can't not be able to finish at the rim. You know, that's a common thing that you see for players in their first and second year. Jalen Brown had a lot of trouble with that early on in his career. But generally, you get a little bit bigger, you get a little bit more used to the game. Uh, you can finish at the rim better. You can you know when to dunk the ball and when to lay it in. Um, and then defensively, I think a lot of times, to me, that's where uh, Jason Tatum uh, – you know, really took a step back last year in terms of being engaged defensively. We all know that he, from his rookie year, um, you know, he has the athletic ability, he has the size, he has the length uh, to be able to be an impact defensive player, to be able to guard two or three different positions, depending on who he switched off of. But last year, too many times I thought he was passive in that situation or he got caught looking or, you know, he was one of those guys that you felt if his, you know, we heard this a lot last year, but he was one of those guys probably maybe the guy on the team who, if his shot wasn't falling, then it showed up on the other end of the court in terms of uh, giving up a defensive play that he shouldn't have given up. So you know, he's just gonna, I think he's going to have to mature as a player with his outlook because obviously the inherent skill is there.
1: Well, he said he wants to be more vocal this year. Do you think he's ready to take on a leadership role beyond everything you just talked about on the floor, off the floor, and in that locker room and among the other guys and and getting everyone on the same page and getting them together? He's a young guy, clearly. I mean, he's you know barely old enough to drink, but is is he ready to be a leader?
0: I mean, I haven't really seen any. Ind- I mean, you never know who these guys are just when it's them hanging around, but I haven't seen any indication that he's ever you know commanded a room. He kind of uh, again either jokes around with his teammates or he kind of hangs out by himself in the locker room. I've never, again, if I was to look for leaders, I mean, everybody leads in their own way. And Danny Ainge will say this and Brad Stevens will say this. Danny Ainge had that, you know, they were good. They were good. You know, everybody leads. There's just good ways to lead and bad ways to lead. And that was one of the things that was perceived as a, a shot at Kyrie Irving. One of the many things over that stretch that was perceived as a shot at Kyrie Irving. So I think he has a role to, to show maturity and to show leadership But I don't necessarily think that he uh, is going to be, you know, you you would never think about saying, well, maybe the captain of this team should really be Jason Tatum. (laughs) You know, that's right. I think that type of thing is going to be Kemba Walker. As we talked about earlier in the, in the podcast here, you know, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. I think Jason Tatum's charge is going to be attention to detail and, and keeping that focus at all times uh, on, you know, Again, another one of those Brad Stevens things, but making the right basketball play. We know you can score. We know that you, if you really you know want to fire up a bunch of shots, you can improve your you know as you mentioned volume stats over last year. Whether they're most efficient, whether they are whether they are the most efficient stats or not, but it's making the right basketball play on both ends of the court that will you know really separate him in terms of being a guy that uh, you can build around as a as a you know cornerstone superstar for this team going. In the years
1: ahead with our last couple minutes here scott uh let's talk about guys we haven't even mentioned yet and those are the rookies carson edwards grant williams they both tossed out the first pitch at fenway tuesday night and told Nesson that boston fans made an early impression
2: I'd probably say the one thing that I've heard multiple times since I've been here is just like if you play hard, they'll love you. So that's one thing. I mean, they're passionate, and uh, if I give everything, they'll they'll support me. They show a lot of love. They're there for you. Honestly, I've been here for less than three days, and I've met so many tremendous people that have uh, made an impact on my life from the start. So I'm just excited to get started and be able to play in the garden and be able to see events like these and see the rest us play the like Kansas City Royals. See so many talented players because coming off of a World Series like we won last year, it's been a, it's a great. City
1: so a couple things one i and i've said this people know this if if you follow me on twitter or you listen to this show you know this going back to draft night i love grant williams i love everything about this kid uh and i <laughs> i i love as well that that he said we referring to the red sox winning a world series he's already he's bought in and that's that's terrific if you're projecting ahead which sees rookie do you think is going to have the biggest role out of the gate when the season begins now i would assume williams but Maybe after what we saw in Summer League and, and knowing what his potential is as, as you know, kind of a microwave guy off the bench, you're more of an Edwards guy.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely much more of an Edwards guy. You know, he was a guy that, you know, even going into the draft, and I understand, you know, a six one guy who's not really a true point guard kind of falls into an interesting category, but I was stunned throughout the entire draft process when his name was showing up coming off of that NCAA tournament, and he had some tough stretches, some tough shooting stretches of the season, too. He was already a junior so he wasn't one of those, you know, freshmen coming out, which kind of dominate the first round, but that he was, you know, kind of pegged in that middle of the second round. And, you know, I started, you know, we all put our thoughts on Twitter because we don't know exactly what's going on, but we kind of, you know, give our, during the, during the draft, kind of, you know, what might be coming up, what they should be thinking. Um, you know, I was th- saying from the middle of the first round on with those picks in the 20s, depending on how many they wound up keeping, um, they wound up keeping one of them, uh, but then they got the extra pick that they took Carson Edwards with. You know, he was a guy that, and this was before they had Kemba Walker, of course, but he was a guy that I thought they should definitely um, target, that any team uh, in the 20s should target in terms of a guy who performed at that level in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, he does have measurables. He's, he's a six-foot-one guy or six-foot guy, but he's, he's not a small guy. I mean, you stand next to him, you can picture him, you know, being the Patriots third down back out of the backfield. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's got some bulk to him. He's got presence to him. It was interesting uh, when we were at that press conference when, they, when all the rookies showed up, you know, he was the guy that, even though he was the third player taken out of that group, he was definitely the one that had the juice in the room. He was the guy, and I wrote about this that day, um, he was the guy that everybody was looking at. He was the guy that everybody was talking about in terms of, you know, what he did as a college player. And they were all complimentary of each other, but he was the star of that room. And I think you saw in summer league, that, you know, some of that, some of that star power, you know, might carry over a little bit quicker, not to say that he's going to be an NBA all-star as a rookie, but, you know, I think he is a guy who's going to have an immediate impact uh, for the Celtics. As far as some of the other guys, um, you know, Langford, it's, he's obviously lost some time during the summer and, and, you know, I think he still has to develop a little bit. You know, there's some question about his shot from last year. Obviously he probably maybe has the highest ceiling because the Celtics went with him in the middle of the first round, out of anybody but you know i think he may be more of a long-term prospect and grant williams is kind of an interesting guy obviously he's a great guy to talk to great guy to listen to but we've had those guys in the past and you know, ryan Gomes was a guy like that i'm still curious with grant williams how his game translates to the nba i know he took some more outside shots and he, during summer league uh he had that ridiculous plus minus that everybody pointed to like the greatest plus minus in the history of the summer league um <laughs> but when it comes to an actual nba game you know who can he guard who does he guard how does he score um you know he is maybe it's the style of Tennessee but he was a six eight guy who played in the post you know how can he how long will it take him to kind of transfer that game to the to the pros I think that may be maybe a little bit tougher than uh than some people are forecasting so my my pick out of the rookies um you know, Obviously, we're not entertaining Taco Fall in this uh, conversation. Uh, my pick out of the rookies would be uh, Carson Edwards to make the biggest impact.
1: Yeah, we aren't entertaining Taco Fall, but we are always entertained by Taco Fall. And, of course, I'd love to see him on this roster. Bob Ryan, who, again, was on a couple of weeks ago, basically said he would be Personally offended if Taco Fall is not signed by the Celtics to this roster and, and actually see some NBA time. He's he's that high on the guy. We won't talk about Taco, but I will take you out with this. Chris Forsberg uh, asked Brad Stevens all about just the Taco hype, and I I think this is the first time we've really heard Brad talk about him.
2: Well, I think the hype again is there's two months of nothing to talk about, so you guys have to fill the airwaves, right? So, but he's a special kid. He's a neat guy. He's um, he's smart. He's self-aware. You know, he's just got a lot of good qualities about him. I, I really enjoy him. I had a, you know, chance to sit down with him at a meal and spend a little bit of just individual time with him. And I just—he's a really enjoyable guy. And you know, so we all appreciate those opportunities for our own kind of time where we can just get away from everything i don't know that he ever can right because he's seven foot seven and everybody knows when he walks in the building and um you know i really appreciate who he is as a person now how graceful he is in handling that
1: and we hope to see if he's in fact graceful at all on the uh nba floor we'll see but scott suz i really appreciate you taking the time as always and uh sharing all your insights here there's i know there are a lot of different things that people even still want to hear about in in mid-august concerning this team and so i'm glad we're able to give that to them
0: Certainly. Thank you very much for having me
1: on, Adam. Absolutely. Scott Souza, CLNS Celtics beat writer. You can see him, of course, not only uh, in the videos on the CLNS YouTube page, where a lot of our sound generally comes from as well. You should subscribe if you haven't. But You can read his work, most importantly, as he's uh, out there each and every game. Excellent stuff from Scott Souza, and, uh, you know, he's obviously been on the beat for a long, long time at a variety of outlets, and if you aren't aware of him somehow, some way, and I don't even know how that's possible, because, again, he's done such a good job for so long and has been part of this show before, does a lot of great work. You should read it. A couple things I didn't have time to get to with him that I'll just mention in passing as we wrap up this show. Kevin Durant told Yahoo Sports he, he and uh, Kyrie Irving did not plan to sign up and play together. It just, it happened. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, why even bother lying about this? You know, they were both free agents. They had the right to team up. They did. Why hide from it? We all know how these super teams are formed. There's there's just no point. I guess you don't want to get caught in a situation where you look like you've given up or quit on your team midseason like Kyrie Irving or... Uh, collusion or tampering, or not that player on player is tampering. But, you know, don't give the commissioner's office or anybody else any more ammo because everybody knows this is a problem. The other thing, though, that's just really cool, has no impact on the Celtics whatsoever, but uh, Vince Carter re-signed with the Hawks for one final season. He's 42 years old. He's going to play an NBA record. 22nd year. Now Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Willis, Robert Parrish, they each played 21. So 22 new NBA record again. It's going to be his last year plus and this is just neat. This is nothing more than than timing. You don't have control over this sort of thing. Just sort of lucked into it, I guess. But after debuting in 1998, once Carter plays a game in 2020, you know, come January, assuming he's not hurt or something, he will be the first player in NBA history to appear in a game in four different decades, that is something that yeah you know, I don't think we're going to see another guy like Vince Carter again. I don't think we I don't think there's a guy in the league right now who's going to play 22 years. You know, the closest I think is Pau Gasol, who is at maybe 18, 19 at this point. Udonis Haslam just resigned. Uh, he's he's in that 17, 18 ballpark. I just don't see these guys hanging on as long as Vince Carter because Carter not only is he still playing as an active he plays. You know, he still sees some minutes. It's it's not like a Hasselham or even a Gasol who's playing like 10 or 12 minutes. Carter still has a role beyond just mentoring guys. He's not a star, clearly, but he still has a role. And so, uh, I mean, the man's still throwing down dunks. I, I hope he plays forever. I hope it's not his last season. But I don't think we're going to see another guy play this long for, for a long, long time anyway. I mean, maybe someone who's in the league right now, but has a ways to go to get there. Unless LeBron decides to hang on that long. I mean, he could, depending on how long he wants to wait and then eventually play with with brawny that could happen but at the moment vince carter's in a class of his own as are you listeners for paying attention to celtics beat we always appreciate it and uh, of course this show brought to you by betonline.ag use the promo code clns50 to get a 50 bonus on your first deposit of 55 dollars Or more. So thanks again to Scott for joining us, producer Evan Valenti. It's good the two of us are uh, working together again this week after a couple weeks of separation. Thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media, and of course, most of all, you. We always welcome your feedback. You can get me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. If you like the shows, you want more, we're always thinking about that. Leave ratings, leave reviews on iTunes. You can hit me on Twitter, give us feedback there. Good, bad, doesn't matter. We just like to hear from you. And remember, subscribe. Listen to the shows on Twitter. They're constantly promoted there. Often my pinned tweets, again, at Adam M. Kaufman. But you can subscribe to the video versions on uh, the CLNS YouTube page. You can subscribe, of course, to the show itself on iTunes. Just search Celtics Beat. It's right there. Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts, we're there. We appreciate you, and we appreciate Gino. Get us out of here.